This morning as we come before God's Word, would you stand with me as we read together the Word of God? And we're reading this morning from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going on ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now you have been told. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell your brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Father, thank you. This is your word. And we live because you live. We have hope because you live. We have victory because you live. And we have a relationship with you because you live. Lord, it is all about you. And as we come before you this morning, I pray that, God, your anointing would rest powerfully upon us. That, Lord, you would speak directly into each and every one of our hearts. That your Spirit's anointing would be upon your servant and upon your word. And that, God, you would do in our midst what is only possible. Lord, would you allow your resurrection power to be made real in this time as well. And we pray it and ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as we look at at the resurrection story, that first morning, it says in in John chapter 20, verse 1, that early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, that really, I want to just stop there for a second, that really is quite a picture of what was going on with the disciples. There's four vignettes that I want to just show you that really, that really show the hopelessness that they were walking through on that day. It was Friday. They had seen Jesus crucified. The women, we're told, saw Jesus, saw where it was that he was buried. There are those critics who say that uh, the women got mixed up when they came to the tomb. They didn't come to the right tomb. No. Scripture says that they saw where he was laid. But I want to show you four vignettes that just really show the hopelessness of that situation. The disciples, they're holed up in the upper room. Why? They're scared. Because Jesus was, was crucified for what, for what cause? For insurrection. And who is next? One, I wonder if they thought, which one of us is next? And they're holed up in the upper room. But then we also see another picture. The women that followed Jesus, they saw where he had been buried. Verse, uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 55. The women who had come from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. I mean, for them, the stone was rolled in front of it. They had rolled that stone in front of it. They had put a chalk under it. And now, in fact, Pilate had said to said to the Roman guards, go and make it as secure as possible. So across that stone, there was a string and there was a seal. It was Pilate's seal that was on that stone. And there were guards that were put in front of it. That tomb was secure. And when they came to the tomb, in their mind, that's what the tomb is like. As well, there were disciples who were on the road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24, verse 21. Um, just It gives this, but let me give the background. These guys are walking from Jerusalem, and they're on their way to Emmaus. 
And as they're walking along, Jesus comes up to them. And he keeps them from knowing who he is. And he says to them, what is it that you're talking about? Have you ever had somebody when you're talking about it and they're absolutely clueless as to what's been going on, that's what's right there in front of their face? And I can imagine there's an exasperated like, are you the only one, they say? Are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's been going on? And Jesus says, what? What's been going on? About Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, he was a man who was powerful in word and deed. But our leaders, they crucified him. And then comes here, and he said, we had hoped... We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. That third day is a very important point that we dare not miss. Because in the Jewish mindset, erroneously, wrongly, in the Jewish mindset, they believed that the soul of the body hovered around that dead person for three days. And after that, it was done. That's why when Jesus, when he shows up for Lazarus, how many days had passed? It was four he passed after the time that there was, there was no hope. And these guys are saying the same thing. It's the third day. There is no more hope. And Jesus walks into the middle of that situation as well. And as well, there's one last thing yet, and that's Peter. Of, of all the disciples that I, I, I seem to, to, to find myself with is with Peter. Peter stood up and Jesus said, this night all of you will desert me. And Peter says, no, 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 no. Maybe them. But he says, not me. Not me. And Jesus says, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. And when he says you, he doesn't mean just you, Peter. He's talking about the whole crew. And he says, and when you come back, he says, strengthen your brothers. And in Peter's mind, he was not going to fall away. But we find Peter doing what? Jesus says, you won't just deny me once. He said, you'll deny me three times. He said, before the rooster crows, he said, you will deny me three times. A few weeks ago, we were in Cambodia, and we were in a, uh, sleeping in a, in a home that was in a village. And boy, those roosters, it's been a long time since I've heard roosters, but 4 o'clock in the morning, they were just like, just like clockwork, one here, one there. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows once, he said, you will have denied me three times. And look at what happens. Luke's gospel brings this out. And he said, he said um, let me get it here. And Luke chapter 22, verse 60 to 62. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Can you imagine that look? Can you imagine that look? Here is the Lord, and he looks back, and he looks Peter right in the eye, and Peter remembers everything that the Lord had said. Before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And look at what it says. The Lord looked and turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he did what? He went outside and he wept bitterly. It is Sunday morning, but for Peter, it is still Friday night. He is still remembering what it was. And for some of us, it is Easter Sunday morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. But we are still living as though we have not been set free. We're still living as though Jesus Christ is not resurrected from the dead. Peter, for him, it is Sunday morning, but he's still living back on Friday. You know, the enemy loves to remind us of what it was that we've done. He loves to remind us of our sin. I remember reading a story about a little boy. He and his sister went to visit grandma and grandpa for a few weeks. And when he got there, his grandpa gave him a slingshot. You guys know what a, what a slingshot is? 
Well, he had a slingshot and he had a bag of marbles. And he was going around, he was shooting at stuff, and here he saw Grandma's duck walking through. Grandma's prize duck. And he thought, I'll just scare the duck. He was going to just shoot one. But as luck would have it, his aim was really good, and he hit the duck right in the head, and the duck was dead. He thought, oh no, now what am I going to do? And so he took the duck and he put it in the wood pile. He hid it under the wood and went back into the house. Nobody knew. And he went into the house and they had supper that night. And after supper, Grandpa got up from the table and he says, who wants to go fishing? And Johnny said, oh, I want to go fishing. And his sister Sally said, oh, Johnny doesn't want to go fishing. He wants to help Grandma wash the dishes. And he said, well, I don't want to help. And she just whispered in his ear, remember the duck? (laughs) She had seen him. She had seen what he had done. The next day, Grandpa gets up after supper. He says, oh, I'm ready to go for a walk. Who wants to come and go for a walk with me? And Johnny said, I want to go for a walk with you. And Sally said, don't you remember saying that you're going to help Grandma wash the dishes and help clean up tonight? And she said, remember the duck. And this went on for days. And finally, he went to his grandma and he said, I can't take this anymore. He said, I killed your duck. I didn't mean to. And she said, I know. I saw you do it. I've just been waiting for you to come and tell me. (laughs) And for some of us, we're still living on Friday night. And it's Sunday morning. And the enemy keeps reminding you of what it is that you've done. Listen, because Christ lives... He does three things with our sins when when he chooses to forgive. The first thing is this. He chooses to remember it no more. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says that love does what? It keeps no records of wrongs. For some of us, we've got to work on that. Because we can say, I remember back in 13 when you did this to me. Love keeps no records of wrongs. When God forgives us, when Jesus forgives us of our sins, he does what? He chooses to remember it no more. Then there are two other things that it says in Scripture that he does with our sins. The other it says is he puts it behind his back. He chooses not to look at it any longer. Another says that he chooses to remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. When God forgives you, how much of the sin does he forgive you? We can do better than that. How much of God's sin, how much of the sin does he forgive? He forgives all. If we come to him in honesty and we say to him, God, I have blown it, would you forgive me of my sin? Will he? We're told in Scripture that he will. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For Peter, it's Sunday morning, but he's still living on Friday. But Peter's story isn't done. Jesus, because of the resurrection, we have hope in the darkest of times. Jesus comes into the middle of those three hope or the middle of those hopeless situations. The disciples they're holed up in the upper room in in John chapter twenty verse six verse nineteen. It said in the evening of that day on the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors what the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, and Jesus came and stood among them and said, "Peace be with you." He came right through the locked door. And for some of us, we have places in our lives that we say, uh, no entry here. You can have this piece of my heart, you can have this part of my life, but, but no entry here. And when we take Jesus as our Savior, he wants entry into every single area. He, the locked doors don't stop him. 
And you know, for some of us today, we're here and we don't know Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're here because after church we're going out to brunch and the only way we can go out to brunch is so that is if we go to church first. That's a very American thing. I'm sorry. Uh, it's a very Western thing. You go out for brunch after Easter dinner. And sometimes I could see him in church on, on a Sunday morning and Easter Sunday and it's like, oh, this is the last place in the world that I'd want to be. And for some of you, you put up a sign that says no entry here. I don't, I don't believe in you, God. I don't believe in your word. I don't believe in your Bible. Listen, you may not believe in God. You may not believe in God's word. But God believes in you and God is pursuing you to have a relationship with you because he dearly loves you. Why is God pursuing you? Because God knows that he says in his word that there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seeketh after God. It is God's mercy. And in God's mercy, he is pursuing you to have a relationship because he knows left to your devices, you wouldn't choose him. But it says in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's amazing truth. The disciples were holed up. They were locked in, in there. But God can come right through a locked door. As well, with, the, with, the, um, with, with Mary in the, in the garden, she's thinking that uh, somebody has taken the body. And Jesus comes up to her and he says, Mary, in the midst of some of our most hopeless situations, does God know your name? Does God know what's going on? He does. He does. Oh, man. Just, this is a kind of a stupid one. But last Sunday, we went to see somebody in the hospital. And uh, we, we got on, that, we got on the, the minibus and went over to the hospital and talked, 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 talked with the people and got out of there and went to get into the minibus. And where's my wallet? I dug, through my, I, I dug through my backpack and looked, at it and it was nothing. And, and this sinking feeling that's in my heart, I'm thinking, in my heart, I'm thinking, I have so much to do next week. I don't have the time to go down to the immigration office and get a new Hong Kong ID card. And I got credit cards in my wallet. I got money in my wallet. Thinking, and I was thinking of all these things, and I was really, really frustrated. And remember last Sunday what we talked about? Lord, I trust you. You're in this, and you're good. And God just, he said, Joel, what did you just preach about? Do you trust me? It's like, yeah, but where's my wallet? And somebody, and it's like, God just said, will you trust me in this? It's like, okay. I don't know how it's going to work, but I will trust you. And one of the sisters got on the phone and called because I need somebody who will speak English, who will speak before me on my, on my behalf, speak Chinese. I called one of the sisters here at the UGC church, and she went down there. In America, you've got to give blood type and everything else before they'll give you something. And she walked in there and asked, was a wallet left there? And it was there. And they said they found it on the ground. I don't know how. I, I thought I had, had you know, uh, paid, for the, paid for the minibus. But they said, no, they found it laying on the ground. Somebody turned in my wallet. Everything was there. You know, in situations like that, I mean, that's just a stupid one there, but, but in those times, there are times in our lives where God comes in and God knows your name, God knows your situation, and he speaks to you in the midst of that time, and he speaks your name. But for Peter, oh, let's come back to Peter. In Mark chapter 16, and it's interesting, this is the only one of the Gospels that mentions this. In Mark chapter 16, one of the things we need to remember, and you kind of stow away back in, your, back in your mind, when Mark wrote his gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but where did Mark get most of his information from? From Peter. 
from Peter. This isn't mentioned in any of the other Gospels, but look at this. Jesus says, go tell the disciples and Peter. I love that. I wonder who of all of the disciples needed to know that Jesus was still alive. And God today is coming to you and he comes to me and he says, I am alive. And he calls us by name. For some of us, we think, I've done something. For, for Peter, he had betrayed his Lord. He said, I'm going to stand for you. And at the end, he didn't. And Peter is three days, three days living with what it is that he'd done. And for some of us here, we need to hear the fact that Jesus will forgive you. He will forgive you. If you ask him, he will forgive you. And he reinstates Peter. I don't know. Peter, you deny me three times. But later on in a beach, Jesus is going to restore Peter. And aren't you glad that God gives grace? And aren't you glad that God doesn't pull the sheets back in your life to reveal what it is that you've done? But we're left a record here of Peter. And because Jesus lives, we have hope. We have hope that no matter what it is that we've done, we can come before God in honesty and say, God, would you forgive me? And will he? Because of the resurrection, he will. He will. The second thing, or the third, the second thing that we see is because of the resurrection, we have real victory. I love this. The grave could not hold him. The grave could not hold Jesus. Ah, oh, many years ago. It's one of these times where, as a pastor, you want to tear your hair out. I just popped into a Sunday school class that one of our, one of our, our teachers was teaching. And, I, and she was teaching. It was Easter Sunday, and there was a little bit of a break. And she was teaching the, the little kids about the resurrection. And she said, God rolled the stone away so that, Je- so that Jesus could come out of the tomb. What's wrong with that? No, 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 no. That is not the truth at all. And I'm like, what? That that is not true. God did not roll away the stone to let Jesus out. Jesus isn't like some dog that has got to move, you got to open the gate up so that he can get out. The reason why God rolled the stone away was for what? To show that he wasn't there. The empty tomb is God's exclamation point upon everything that Jesus did in his life. Everything you believe in as a believer stands or falls on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can read book after book after book of people who have tried to discredit the resurrection of Christ. And you know what happens in almost every situation? They become a believer because the evidence is so strong. And here, the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to show that Jesus wasn't there. And this is interesting. In, in John chapter 20, verse 3 to 9, we read this. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. And when they were run, both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. What did he see? This is huge. What did he see when he looked into the tomb? Josh McDowell in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, talks about the Jewish burial custom and how they did it. When Nicodemus brings the spices. We talked about this on Friday night. When he brings the spices, he brought 75 pounds of spices. Aloes and myrrh 
Now, don't think of aloe. We have the, you know, the aloe plant that, you know, if you get a burn, you get a cut, you go, you cut a piece of that, and you, you put it on there, it takes care of the burn. That's not the type of aloe that's being talked about. The aloe that they're talking about here comes from the bark of a tree. It was pounded into a powder, and so what they would do is they would wrap the body. Joseph and his servants wrapped the body in the, in the strips of linen. Then they would sprinkle the, al- the aloe, the, the powder, over the top of the body and then rub the myrrh over the top of that. What do you have when you're all finished with that? Have you ever broken your arm or broken your leg? You have pretty much like a cast. So when they look in there, what do they see? You guys, uh, I, I asked this yesterday, does everybody know what a cocoon is? You know, you have a butterfly that comes out of the... Uh, uh, that's what it was like. And as Peter looks in, as John looks in, they see this. And one of, the, one of the claims is that the disciples came or somebody came and stole the body away. Uh, how do you do that? What if the, Jesus was not there. The shell was there, but his body was not there. Amen? And Jesus, God rolls the stone away to show that Jesus is not there. He stands in victory over the grave. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 15.55 says. Where, O death, is your victory? And where, O death, is your sting? If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need not fear death. I think we fear death because we fear, how is it going to happen to me? But we need not fear it because if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you know where it is that you're going to spend eternity, right? And we will be with Him. We'll be with Him forever. Jesus has taken the sting out of death. He's taken the... He's, and because he, he lives, we have victory over the grave as well. And He stands ready to give us victory. He stands ready to move in resurrection power in our lives as well. But we must allow him to do that. Um, there are three things, as I was thinking about this this morning, there's a couple more, but there's three things that I really, really don't like in this world. And I added durian to them at, at the, so before. Um, the first is uh, I, I, I don't like onions, uh, um, I, I, especially raw onions. I just... Don't like them. Some of you blessings on you, you like them. Um, but I don't like also, I found out a few years ago, I had to have a, an MRI. And the guy asked me, he said, so are you claustrophobic? Nah, I'm not claustrophobic. Sticks me in head first into this MRI. And it's like, whoa, 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 get me out of here. I said, no. And I got out of there. My heart was just going. It's like, no way. I, I said, I am not doing that. He said, the the guy said to me, he goes, Pastor, you have to have an MRI. And I said, I am not having an MRI. You're not putting me back in that tube. That, I'm not doing that. This guy is as irreligious as they came. And he says, Pastor, you need to go back to your church and have them pray for you. It's like, oh, that was a dirty move. And so I went back to the church and asked them to pray. And the next day they gave me some good drugs and they, they put me in there. But I didn't realize, oh my goodness, I was claustrophobic. But the top of the list of my fears is, is heights. Mm. I don't mind riding in an airplane. I just don't like going up at heights, especially if you go up and then they drop your... Oh. I'm a terrible person to take to Disneyland. I, I, just, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do the rides. My kids, they all like that, but I don't. And at Knott's Berry Farm a few years ago, it's, uh, it's kind of right around Walt Disney area. Uh, they had one of these rides, you know, where it starts out at the bottom and it just goes all the way up and, and it spins real slowly as it went up. 
it got about three quarters, a little more than three quarters of the way up, and it stopped. And they couldn't get it to work. And so the fire trucks came in, and they put their ladders up as high as they would go, and they wouldn't reach. And they're like, okay, how are we going to get these people out of there? Because we've got to get them out of there. This was early in the afternoon. And so the firemen, they went up the inside. They had to crawl up the inside. And when they got up to the top, then they had to lower themselves down their ropes, down to the, down to this, uh, down to the ride. And they told the people, they said, all right, you're going to have to trust us. He said, these ropes hold up to 9,000 pounds. And he says, you, uh, the two of us together are not going to be 9,000 pounds. But he said, we're going to have to repel all the way down to the bottom. He said, and I'm thinking, I'd stay there. I was like, no way, sister, would I go up there. And so they did. One after another, they, the, the fireman was here and the person would be here and they would latch on and they would hold on to the, for me it would have been a death grip. And it took them several hours, but they got all 20 people out of that ride, but they had to lower them down 148 feet on a rope. Every single person, in order for them to get down, had to put absolute faith in that fireman. If we want victory in our lives, for some of us, we come in on a Sunday morning, we put the happy face on, but we're struggling with pornography. We're struggling with pornography. Or we're struggling to tell the, tr- tell the truth. Or we've got other things going on in our lives and we maybe have somebody at work that, boy, they're really starting to look attractive. And we struggle. We struggle to have victory in our lives. And we say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to do that again only to find ourselves doing it again. Because of the resurrection, we can have victory. But we must give those things to Christ in totality. We must trust him with those things. We must give those things to him in totality. Where is it in your life today that you would like to see Christ's resurrection power released in your life? He's willing. He's willing, but you must come and you must put your absolute faith in him and trust him. It's the same with salvation. In order to come to Christ, we must put our absolute faith and trust in him that what he said is what he did. And that if we ask him to forgive us of our sins, if we ask him, if if we receive him as Savior, that he absolutely will be our Savior. He will forgive us. Because of the resurrection, we have hope. Because of the resurrection, we have victory. I don't know how this gets good. Because of the resurrection, we worship a risen Savior. I love this. I love this. This is my, one of my absolute favorite verses of Scripture. For we read... Okay, where did it go? We read in... We read, in, as we read this morning in Matthew chapter 28, sorry, I, I don't, don't see where it is, but I'm going to go on from there. We read in Matthew chapter 28 where, where the angels say to the, to the disciples, say to the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? Or is it here? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. The God that we worship is a God who's alive, right? Amen. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a God who is alive. When Moses asks, when Moses, uh, when God appears to Moses, he said he is the God of whom? He is the God of Abraham, 
Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of living. He is a living God, and we worship a living God. Not only do we worship a living God, but we worship a God who keeps his word. We serve a God. We worship a God who keeps his word. Three times in rapid succession, in Mark chapter 8, 33, in Mark chapter 9, 33, in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, we read the words that Jesus, just show me uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 33, 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. In rapid succession, in those three verses, all in the book of Mark, all in rapid succession, Jesus says what? He said, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be killed, but on the third day I'm going to rise again. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, forget it. But because he rose from the dead, can I believe him? For you who might be a skeptic today, sitting here today saying, I don't believe any of this. God believes in you. And one of the reasons why we can believe in God's word is because he not only said what he was going to do, he absolutely did it. And when God rolls away the stone, it is to show that he's not there. It puts an exclamation point on everything that Jesus said and did. It was true. And the God that we serve is not only a living God, he's not only a God who keeps his word, but he's a God is worthy of our worship. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 to 13. And John says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. How many is that? Me with my third grade education, I got that. That's a, that's a hundred million angels. A hundred million angels. And what are they saying? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And this is going on all the time. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He is worthy of our worship, isn't he? Because of the resurrection, we serve a God who is worthy of our, of our, of our worship, our heartfelt worship as well. And we also serve a powerful God. The grave could not hold him. And there is nothing in our lives, God's word says, that is impossible for him. You have a marriage that you say, well, maybe that God could do that something over there, but he can't heal my marriage. Have you entrusted that to him? If you got a son who said, Dad, Mom, hang on to your beak. I don't want anything to do with your God. Is God able to take a heart that is hard and soften that heart? Look at the Apostle Paul. I don't think there was a harder heart around at that time. And did God do a work in his life? It's will we bring these situations to God and ask God to unleash his resurrection power in the midst of that situation? And will he? He says, you do not have because you do not ask. What situation today, again, do we need to see the resurrection power of Christ released in? The last thing, and here we come to the end. Because of the resurrection, we can have a real relationship with God. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. He was put to death in the body, but he was made alive by the Spirit. God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. The reason, one of the last reasons that we, have, that we worship God is because he desires to have a relationship with us. And because of the resurrection... We can have a relationship with them, can't we? God is pursuing you this morning. If you don't know Christ, even if you do know Christ, 
God has said in his word, Jesus said in his word, that my father is always at his work, even to this day. God is pursuing each and every one of us. For some of us, we're saying, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in his word. God, that doesn't matter. God believes in you, and he's pursuing you. For others of you, you believe in him. You, you said something. You've said a prayer at some point in your life. But really, your relationship with him has gone no further than that. You still continue to live the same way that you lived before Christ. And see, what Jesus comes to do, he said, I've come that you might have life, and that more abundantly. He doesn't ask us to just, he doesn't ask to be just part of our, our old way of life. He asks to be all of our life. And when we come to Christ, he asks to be the Lord of our lives. And we can have a relationship with him, a relationship that is real. He is pursuing you to have a relationship that is real. The God that we serve is a living God. He's a real God. And he desires a real relationship with us, a relationship that's personal. He knows everything there is to know about us. For some of us, that makes us want to run into the night in fear. He knows everything about us, and yet he still loves us. He knows everything, but he still loves us. He desires a relationship that is real, that is personal, and that's based upon his love. That's the relationship that God desires for us. The price that was paid for our sins was high. I was reading this week about... um, Tsar Nicholas, Russian Tsar, that, and one of the things that he liked to do from time to time was go incognito and inspect his troops. He would go oftentimes as a captain, and he would go out and, and he would inspect the troops and see what was going on, and he had gone, to, uh, gone out to, to look at some of the troops. And one of the places where some of his troops were was the friend of, a, a friend of somebody that was in his court, a man that he knew quite well. This man was the quartermaster. He was in charge of buying all of the food. He was in charge of, of paying the, the salaries of all the soldiers. But the post that he was on was kind of a deserted post, and that nothing much happened there. And after a while, he fell into gambling. And at first, he was gambling his money. But then he began to gamble not only his money, but the money that he was to pay the soldiers, the money that he was to use for buying the, the food and things like that. And he thought, every time that it happened, he thought, well, if I just win a big pot, then I'll be able to pay all of that back. But as luck would have it or luck would not have it, he could never pay it off. And then he got the report that 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 next day, the people were coming to audit the books. And he said, I'm done. When they audit the books, they're going to see what it is that I've done, and my career as a soldier is going to be over. So he thought, well, I'll just take my life. So he took, and he had a bottle of vodka, and he had a revolver. And he said, at midnight, he said, I'm going to take my life. And he wrote out on a piece of paper all the things that, that he had done. And at the very bottom, he wrote, such a debt, who could pay? And he began to drink, and he began to drink some more, and he, he passed out. His head went down, and at that point, Tsar Nicholas walked into the office. He saw the light kind of burning in there and thought, oh, who's in there? And he came into the office and he saw this guy sleeping on duty. And he thought, I am going to make this guy's life miserable. I'm going to wake this guy up. This guy is going to be put on report. And he saw the revolver sitting there. And he thought, oh, I wonder what he's planning to do. And he, then he could see on the guy's his arm was down on a piece of paper. And he slid the piece of paper out from underneath his arm. And he began to read. And that line at the very bottom, such a debt, who could pay? 
And he took out some wax, you know, the sealing wax. He took the wax and he melted it. And he took his signet ring and he pushed the signet ring down into the wax and wrote one word, one word below that sentence and left the room. That man woke up and he realized, wow, it's after midnight and, and he was, now he was going to go through and he was going to take his own life. And he happened to look that the piece of paper had moved and he looked at the piece of paper and he realized something's on it. And he looked at the, at the sealing wax and that was the seal of Tsar Nicholas, the, the, the emperor. And then he read the one word underneath his line, such a debt who could pay And there was one word, Nicholas. Tsar Nicholas paid his debt. And I think about in our lives, every one of us, we could write that same sentence. What a debt who could pay. And underneath that line is one word, Jesus. Jesus. And we celebrate today what he did for us at the cross. Not only what he did for us at the cross, because if it's just the cross, it's incomplete. It's what he did by rising from the dead as well. I don't know where you stand today in your relationship with God. There's a lot of you in here this morning that I don't know. I'm glad you're here, but you're not here by coincidence. God is pursuing you. And you can continue to have the locked doors, but remember, Jesus is a God who can walk right through locked doors. He can get our attention, can he? but he desires a relationship, a relationship with all of us. If you don't know Christ, I want to invite you to pray to receive Christ this morning. Say, what do I have to do? Three things. I have to admit that I'm a sinner. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have to admit that we need a Savior. That's why he came. Jesus came for those who were sinners. And the third thing we must do is we must receive. We must receive that gift. In the States, oh, Easter Sunday morning can be pretty hard, especially if the kids are all in church because uh, in America they give kids candy like crazy on, on Easter. And they go out and they, they got to they look, look for candy. They got to look for Easter eggs and all this other kind of stuff. But candy's the big thing. And you get some of those kids that come into church and are bing, 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 bing. They're going all over the place because they've been eating sugar all morning. But many times they have the kids go out and look, look for their Easter basket and things like that. And when they find it, when they find it, they can take it to themselves. This morning you've been presented with a gift. The gift has been presented to you. But it is your choice of whether or not you will receive that gift. Are you living in the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you living with hope? He came that we might have hope. I don't know where you're at in your, in your relationships. For some of you, you're still living on Friday. It's Friday. You're living in the things that you've done in the past, things that Jesus has forgiven you for. If you've prayed and you've asked him to forgive you, will he? Let me say that a little louder. If you've asked him to, if, to forgive you for the sins, will he? Yes, yes he will. And for some of us, we need to move on from it being Friday to move on to it being Sunday. You don't need to carry that guilt. If you truly have asked for forgiveness and have repented of that sin, he has forgiven you. And he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. 
You are a child of the Most High God. Amen? And so for some of us, we need to live with that hope. We need an infusion of that hope again. But Jesus comes with his resurrection power into marriages that are struggling, into relationships that are struggling. Jesus loves your spouse more than you do. If your spouse doesn't know Christ, he loves, you, loves, him more, loves her more, more than you, and he is at work in their lives. And we can do more through prayer than we can by, by uh, what's the word, needling at, at someone who doesn't know Christ. And simply asking for that resurrection power to be released in your marriage, in relationships, even in your health situations. He is a God who heals. He is a God who is at work in our lives. I don't know about you. I love Easter. I love Easter Sunday. Because he lives, we live. Amen? He is risen. Indeed. Indeed. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you are a God who continues to pursue us. And God, this morning, as we came here, for some of us, we were like Peter. It's Sunday, but we're still living back on Friday. You have forgiven us. But the enemy keeps reminding us of what it is that we've done. And Jesus, you, when you choose to forgive, you choose to remove it as far as the east is from the west. In fact, Lord Jesus, you are seated, you are seated next to the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. You're praying for us. You're praying for that son who doesn't know you as Savior. You're praying for that spouse who doesn't know you as Savior. You are praying on our behalf for the financial situation that we're in the midst of. You are praying on our behalf for our health situation, for our situation with our employer, with our job. You are the one that is praying for us, Lord. And God, I thank you that because you live, we can have hope, even in the midst of the darkest situations of life. And I thank you too, Lord, that you give us victory. And Lord, I don't know where this morning we need to latch on to you and fully trust you to carry us. But God, you will give victory. And I pray, God, for the struggles that some of us are walking through. And I just pray that, God, we will give them to you and allow you to work as only you can in the midst of those situations to bring victory, real victory. And Lord, I thank you that we worship a living God, a God who keeps his word. And your word says that as many as, as many as received you to those who believed in your name, you gave the right to become the children of God. You said that for you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son that whoever believes in you shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. Because of the resurrection, we can believe what it is that you have said. This morning, if you came here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I'd ask you to do a very, just a simple thing. If you want to pray to receive Christ, would you just simply raise up your hand? I want to have a word of prayer with you, and then I'll follow up with you after church. Father, thank you again. Thank you again that you are the God who pursues us, and you are also the shepherd who goes before us. Kind shepherd, would you go before this precious flock as we leave this place, as we go out and we uh, enjoy not only today, but a day off tomorrow. I pray, God, your richest blessing, and I pray, God, that the truth of the resurrection will not just simply be head knowledge, 
but that we will take it to heart and we will allow you to live in and through us. We pray this, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me as our Lord has taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in the grace, and in the power, and the resurrection power, and the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have because of the resurrection. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen.